With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Angelus was forbidden to be wrong. Not at Boulogne, I think, Sir Percy, retorted Chauvelin dryly, and I'll pledge you my word that the evening Angelus shall be rung that night. At what hour is that, sir? One hour after sundown. But why four days after this? Why not two or three? I might have asked, why the southern rampart, Sir Percy? Why not the western? I chose the fourth day. Does it not suit you? asked Chauvelin ironically. Suit me? Why, sir, nothing could suit me better, rejoined Blakeney with his pleasant laugh. Zounds, but I call it marvellous, demmed marvellous. I wonder now, he added blandly, what made you think of the Angelus? Everyone laughed at this, a little irrelevantly, perhaps. Ah, continued Blakeney gaily, I remember now, faith, to think that I was nigh forgetting that when last you and I met, sir, you had just taken, or about to take, holy orders. Ah, how well the thought of the Angelus fits in with your clerical garb. I recollect that the latter was mightily becoming to you, sir. Shall we proceed to settle the conditions of the fight, Sir Percy? said Chauvelin, interrupting the flow of his antagonist's jibes, and trying to disguise his irritation beneath a mask of impassive reserve. "'The choice of weapons, you mean,' here interposed His Royal Highness. "'But I thought that swords had already been decided on.' "'Quite so, Your Highness,' assented Blakeney. "'But there are various little matters in connection with this momentous encounter which are of vast importance. Am I not right, monsieur? Gentlemen, I appeal to you. Faith, one never knows. My engaging opponent here might desire that I should fight him in green socks, and I that he should wear a scarlet flower in his coat.' "'The scarlet pimpernel, Sir Percy?' "'Why not, monsieur?' It would look so well in your buttonhole against the black of the clerical coat, which I understand you sometime affect in France. And when it is withered and quite dead, you would find that it would leave an overpowering odour in your nostrils, far stronger than that of incense." There was general laughter after this. The hatred with which every member of the French revolutionary government, including, of course, ex-ambassador Chauvelin, bore to the national hero was well known. "'The conditions, then, Sir Percy,' said Chauvelin, without seeming to notice the taunt conveyed in Blakeney's last words. "'Shall we throw again?' "'After you, sir,' acquiesced Sir Percy. For the third and last time the two opponents rattled the dice-box and threw. Chauvelin was now absolutely unmoved. These minor details quite failed to interest him. What mattered the conditions of the fight, which was only intended as a bait with which to lure his enemy in the open? The hour and place were decided on, and Sir Percy would not fail to come.' Chauvelin knew enough of his opponent's boldly adventurous spirit not to feel in the least doubtful on that point. Even now, as he gazed with grudging admiration at the massive, well-knit figure of his arch-enemy, noted the thin, nervy hands and square jaw, the low, broad forehead and deep-set, half-failed eyes, he knew that in this matter wherein Percy Blakeney was obviously playing with his very life, the only emotion that really swayed him at this moment was his passionate love of adventure the ruling passion strong in death. Yes, Sir Percy would be on the southern ramparts of Boulogne one hour after sunset on the day named, trusting, no doubt, in his usual marvellous good fortune, his own presence of mind and his great physical and mental strength, to escape from the trap into which he was so ready to walk. That remained beyond a doubt. Therefore what mattered details? But even at this moment Chauvelin had already resolved on one great thing, namely, that on that eventful day, 
nothing whatever should be left to chance. He would meet his cunning enemy not only with cunning, but also with power, and if the entire force of the Republican army then available in the north of France had to be requisitioned for the purpose, the ramparts of Boulogne would be surrounded, and no chance of escape left for the daring Scarlet Pimpernel. His wave of meditation, however, was here abruptly stemmed by Blakeney's pleasant voice. "'Well, Monsieur Chauvelin,' he said, "'I fear me your luck has deserted you. Chance, as you see, has turned to me once more.' "'Then it is for you, Sir Percy,' rejoined the Frenchman, "'to name the conditions under which we are to fight.' "'Ah, that is so, is it not, monsieur?' quoth Sir Percy lightly. "'By my faith, I'll not plague you with formalities. We'll fight with our coats on, if it be cold, in our shirt-sleeves, if it be sultry. I'll not demand either green socks or scarlet ornaments. I'll even try and be serious for the space of two minutes, sir, and confine my whole attention.' the product of my infinitesimal brain, to thinking out some pleasant detail for this duel, which might be acceptable to you. Thus, sir, the thought of weapons springs to my mind. Swords, you said, I think. Sir, I will e'en restrict my choice of conditions to that of the actual weapons with which we are to fight. Folks, I pray you, he added, turning to his friend, the pair of swords which lie across the top of my desk at this moment. We'll not ask a menial to fetch a maid, monsieur, he continued gaily, as Sir Andrew Folks, at a sign from him, had quickly left the room. What need to bruit our pleasant quarrel abroad? You will like the weapon, sir, and you shall have your own choice from the pair. You are a fine fencer, I feel sure, and you shall decide if a scratch or two or a more serious wound shall be sufficient to avenge Mademoiselle Candet's wounded vanity. Whilst he prattled so gaily on, there was dead silence among all those present. The prince had his shrewd eyes steadily fixed upon him, obviously wondering what this seemingly irresponsible adventurer held at the back of his mind. There is no doubt that every one felt oppressed and that a strange murmur of anticipatory excitement went round the little room, when a few seconds later Sir Andrew Foulkes returned with two sheathed swords in his hand. Blakeney took them from his friend, and placed them on the little table in front of ex-ambassador Chauvelin. The spectators strained their necks to look at the two weapons. They were exactly similar one to the other, both encased in plain black leather sheaths, with steel ferules polished to shine like silver. The handles, too, were of plain steel, with just the grip fashioned in a twisted basket-pattern of the same highly-tempered metal. "'What think you of these weapons, monsieur?' asked Blakeney, who was carelessly leaning against the back of a chair. Chauvelin took up one of the two swords, and slowly drew it out from its scabbard, carefully examining the brilliant, narrow steel blade as he did so. "'A little old-fashioned in style and make, Sir Percy,' he said, closely imitating his opponent's easy demeanour. A trifle heavier, perhaps, than we in France have been accustomed to lately, but nevertheless a beautifully tempered piece of steel. "'Of a truth there's not much the matter with the tempering, monsieur,' quoth Blakeney. "'The blades were fashioned at Toledo just two hundred years ago.' "'Ah! Here I see an inscription,' said Chauvelin, holding the sword close to his eyes, the better to see the minute letters engraved in the steel. "'The name of the original owner. I myself bought them, when I travelled in Italy, from one of his descendants.' "'Lorenzo Giovanni Cenci,' said Chauvelin, spelling the Italian names quite slowly. "'The greatest blackguard that ever trod this earth. You, no doubt, monsieur, know his history better than we do. Rapine, theft, murder, nothing came amiss to Signor Lorenzo. Neither the deadly drug in the cup, nor the poisoned dagger.' He had spoken lightly, carelessly, with that same tone of easy banter which he had not forsaken throughout the evening, and the same drawly manner which was habitual to him. But at these last words of his, Chauvelin gave a visible start, and then abruptly replaced the sword which he had been examining upon the table. 
He threw a quick, suspicious glance at Blakeney, who, leaning back against the chair, and one knee resting on the cushioned seat, was idly toying with the other blade, the exact pair to the one which the ex-ambassador had so suddenly put down. "'Well, monsieur,' quoth Sir Percy, after a slight pause, and meeting with a swift glance of lazy irony his opponent's fixed gaze, "'are you satisfied with the weapons? Which of the two shall be yours, and which mine?' "'Of a truth, Sir Percy,' murmured Chauvelin, still hesitating. "'Nay, monsieur,' interrupted Blakeney, with pleasant bonhomie, "'I know what you would say. Of a truth there is no choice between this pair of perfect twins. One is as exquisite as the other. And yet you must take one, and I the other. This or that, whichever you prefer. You shall take it home with you to-night, and practise thrusting at a haystack or at a bobbin, as you please. The sword is yours to command, until you have used it against my unworthy person. Yours until you bring it out four days hence, on the southern ramparts of Boulogne, when the cathedral bells chime the evening angelus. Then you shall cross it against its faithless twin. There, monsieur, they are of equal length, of equal strength and temper, a perfect pair. Yet I pray you choose." He took up both the swords in his hands, and carefully balancing them by the extreme tip of their steel-bound scabbards, he held them out towards the Frenchman. Chauvelin's eyes were fixed upon him, and he, from his towering height, was looking down at the little sable-clad figure before him. The terrorist seemed uncertain what to do. Though he was one of those men whom, by the force of their intellect, the strength of their enthusiasm, the power of their cruelty, had built a new, anarchical France, had overturned a throne and murdered a king, yet now, face to face with this affected fop, this lazy and debonair adventurer, he hesitated, trying in vain to read what was going on behind that low, smooth forehead, or within the depth of those lazy blue eyes. He would have given several years of his life at this moment, for one short glimpse into the innermost brain-cells of this daring mind, to see the man start, quiver but for the fraction of a second, betray himself by a tremor of the eyelid. What counter-plan was lurking in Percy Blakeney's head as he offered to his opponent the two swords which had once belonged to Lorenzo Cenci? Did any thought of foul play, of dark and deadly poisonings, linger in the fastidious mind of this accomplished gentleman? Surely not. Chauvelin tried to chide himself for such fears. It seemed madness even to think of Italian poisons, of the Cenci's or the Borgias, in the midst of this brilliantly lighted English drawing-room. But because he was above all a diplomatist, a fencer with words and with looks, the envoy of France determined to know, to probe, and to read. He forced himself once more to careless laughter and nonchalance of manner, and schooled his lips to smile up with gentle irony at the good-humoured face of his arch-enemy. He tapped one of the swords with his long-pointed finger. "'Is this the one you choose, sir?' asked Blakeney. "'Nay. Which do you advise, Sir Percy?' replied Chauvelin lightly. "'Which of these two blades think you is most like to hold, after two hundred years, the poison of the Chenchi?' But Blakeney neither started nor winced. He broke into a laugh, his own usual pleasant laugh, half-shy and somewhat inane, then said in tones of lively astonishment, "'Zounds, sir! But you are full of surprises. Faith! I never would have thought of that. Marvellous, I call it, demmed marvellous. What say you, gentlemen? Your Royal Highness, what think you? Is not my engaging friend here of a most original turn of mind? Will you have this sort or that, monsieur? Nay, I must insist, else we shall weary our friends if we hesitate too long. This one, then, sir, since you have chosen it," he continued, as Chauvelin finally took one of the swords in his hand. "'And now for a bowl of punch. Nay, monsieur, was demmed smart what you said just now. I must insist on your joining us in a bowl. Such wit as yours, monsieur, must need wetting at times. I pray you repeat that same sally again.' Then, finally turning to the Prince and to his friends, he added, "'And after that bowl, gentlemen, shall we rejoin the ladies?' 
End of chapter 12「With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>